guys are here this morning. Man, I've had, our family's had a pretty rough week. Um, Emerson got diagnosed with pneumonia this week, and she's been battling that all week. Uh, Reagan had a stomach bug, and I don't know if you guys have ever had a stomach bug. For those of you guys who went to Vietnam, you guys had a stomach bug. <laughs> um, but it's worse when your kids have a stomach bug, because, like, you're cleaning up the stomach bug. You know, it's not just in you. You've got to clean it up. Um, and then I've been battling the flu for the past three days. And so the only reason I'm here this morning is because I'm preaching. Um, so stay away from me. Don't let me cough in your face. Um, and you're at a good distance now. So, uh, <clears throat> but two pieces of really good news. Carolina Panthers made the Super Bowl. <laughs> and for those of you guys who don't follow the NFL, Sorry. Um, second thing is, uh, God has been doing some really awesome things in Trinity Life Church this past week, uh, stemming from the Body Life Conference that we had last weekend. And it's been so amazing to just see the Spirit moving through uh, our midst uh, over this past week. Um, we've seen, so let's, let me say a couple things on this. Uh, both Daniel and I, I'm sure a lot of you guys, um, been trying to process what happened last weekend when Eddie was here, and we've both processed with a lot of people who've had a lot of questions, and um, after, what, after what we saw on Sunday afternoon, <coughs> excuse me, after what we saw on Sunday afternoon, um, we saw physical healing take place. Um, that's something I've never seen before with my own eyes. I've never seen physical healing take place. And when we saw that on Sunday afternoon, um, I woke up Monday and I thought, did that actually happen? Like, my skepticism immediately uh, came in. Um, And I started to question what what happened and all that. So I don't know how you guys are processing it. On Monday, I've called probably, I don't know, two handfuls of people not in the church, out, outside the church, just to process things, uh, just to say, uh, you know, what, this is what happened, what's going on, how should I think about this, uh, all these things. And then we just started hearing more stories. We started hearing about people being cancer-free after being prayed over. We started hearing about babies moving in wombs after being prayed over. We started hearing about um, uh, so many other things this whole week when uh, people were prayed over. And so <clears throat> I want to say a couple things about this because we can, we can move towards what is generally called sensationalism, you know, this, we can pursue healings and signs and wonders and, and those things, um, but that's not what Jesus wants us to do, okay? Um, we, we are to pursue the kingdom, all right? Remember our DNA series <coughs> that we've been going over uh, for all of January. It starts with the kingdom. Kingdom, disciple, society, and church. And so when we pursue the kingdom, when we go after the kingdom, Jesus says that signs will happen. Wonders will happen. Um, you see in the Gospels, when John the Baptist's disciples come to Jesus, and the disciples, his, John the Baptist's disciples come to Jesus, and they say, hey, um, John the Baptist wants to know if you're the guy. Um, if you're the Messiah, if you are the Son of God. And Jesus doesn't say yes. He doesn't say, 
Uh, This is what he says. He says, do the lame walk? Do the blind see? Are the dead raised from the grave? And he says that these are the signs of the kingdom. And so as we pursue the kingdom as a church in our city, um, we're going to see things like this happen. We won't always see them happen, but we will see them happen. Okay? And so this past weekend was evidence of that. Another thing I heard this week was, why did it take a guy from Jakarta, Indonesia, to come to Toronto for this to happen in Toronto or in our church? Um, I'll say a couple things on that. One was, one is, we've actually been praying towards the Spirit for three years since we've lived here, for five years in Toronto before we moved here. And so, and then as a body, when we come together, we, we just pray that song. We pray, Spirit, we want to hear you speak. We, we say, Spirit, come invade our presence. And so what happened this past weekend was uh, not uh, something that happened punctiliarly, like boom in, in, in an instant. It was a cumulative effect of something that's been happening in our church over the past few years. Um, and so what, uh, how, how Daniel and Linda have really, they really said it well, like this was actually more like a catalyst of what God's been doing in us, and Eddie coming was this catalyst that kind of brought things together. And so um, that's just us being faithful as a body, okay? So I want to just say, uh, I don't know, um, I don't know what, what, uh, what, in terms of like healing and things like that, what it looks like for us in the future. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Um, but I do know we're going to continue pursuing the kingdom. Okay, and when we do, we're going to see people get transformed. We're going to see emotional healing happen, mental healing, which we've seen over the past couple of years. We're going to see physical healing, which we saw this this whole past week. Um, and we're going to see more of that. But I do know that over this past week, the main thing I saw, the, the most awesome thing that I saw in our church was the increase of faith. That when we prayed over Shaukia Tuesday night and over Windy Tuesday night, you could just, the, the faith was palpable. It was tangible. You could feel it in that room, in our, in our home. And so just the increase of faith that, that this has brought our community. So... Um, we're going to talk about faith this morning. Uh, that's a good segue into, into what we're going to talk about this morning. Uh, we're entering a relationship series. Oh, and before we go into that, do you guys have any questions, any cynicism, skepticism? Just come to one of us and <laughs> let's talk it through. Because odds are, like, I've had the same cynical, skeptical thoughts. So let's just talk, talk it out. Um, <clears throat> okay. So, we're in a relationship series now over the next three weeks, and this is what we're talking about. We're talking about faith, hope, and love. So, it's called Reimagining Relationships. This is basically a Relationships 101 series, okay? Uh, in the past, we've talked about sex, we've talked about dating, we've talked about a whole, whole bunch of other things, um, but a lot of times when we talk about those things, we're hitting symptoms, like... You, you come here and you're, you're wondering, 
you know, why, why hasn't this happened in my life? Why are my relationships like this? Um, and and what, what we do a lot of times we, is we address those symptoms of, of why. But for this series, we're going to really get at the foundation of why uh, your relationships are the way they are, but also how you can build your, all of your relationships, friends, coworkers, uh, spouse, um, significant other, um, on and on, brother, sister, in the church, outside of the church, um, how you can build all your relationships uh, on a solid foundation. And it begins with these three words, faith, hope, and love. And so this morning, we're, we're going to talk about faith and what that means for your relationships. Because in relationships, um, we we're actually talking about that. Uh, I was talking about it with someone this week. Maybe it was, maybe it was Minsu. Um, we were talking about it this week, how, uh, you know, we, we get our relationships wrong. We think, and, and we think it's some specific thing. Um, and we go towards sexual identity, or we go towards um, uh, communication. And those are all issues in relationships. But one of the biggest problems is we just don't know how to do relationships in general. And so when, if, we don't know how, if we don't have a solid, firm foundation to do that and build on that, then all our relationships from there are going to look a little messed up and cracked. And so, yeah, we're just going to talk about that this morning. Um, <coughs> sorry, I'm be coughing in this all, <laughs> all, all morning. So if you're listening online, my apologies and for the entire morning. Um, I want to say before we get started, uh, how do you guys like the violin up there? That was awesome, right? So my daughter Emerson, she's five, and she's learning the violin. So when she came in, she was like. That's how it's supposed to be done. <laughs> so, yeah, thank you. I don't even know you. I, I came late this morning, so uh, we'll meet afterwards. <laughs> but, yeah, that was, that was awesome. So, where was I? What were we talking about? What's that? Relationships. Yeah, and faith. <laughs> and faith. So, there is, uh, there's a guy, um, he's a bishop, his name is Robert Barron, he's a bishop of uh, the Archdiocese in L.A., and he says, he says this about relationships. He says, all relationships are really faith-based. And let me define faith for you for a second. Hebrews defines faith this way in Hebrews 11, it says, it's the... Um, Sorry, my mind is like not working very well this morning. Say, say well, what? Yeah, yeah. There's, there's, there's something before that though. <laughs> Hebrews is, uh, Hebrews says, faith is this. It's the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. That, that's the terminology I was looking for. So it says, faith is the assurance. That word assurance there in Hebrews means it's the reality. And so a lot of times when we think about faith, we think it's blind. We, our, our culture says, oh, faith is blind. Take that blind leap of faith. And so we, we consider faith as something that's, that's blind, and we just take a leap. But the Bible doesn't define faith that way. 
The Bible actually defines faith as a different kind of sight. Okay? The Bible also says, walk by faith and not by sight. And so it defines it differently. It defines, it's, not, it's, it's saying it's not physical eyes, faith. Faith isn't done through here. It's actually seen through spiritual eyes. So it's a different kind of sight altogether. Okay? And when Hebrews, the Hebrews writer picks up on this, he says, it's the reality or the assurance of things that are hoped for. And then he says it's the conviction of things not seen. And that word conviction literally means proof. It's the proof of things that aren't seen. Okay? And so, like I said, this guy, uh, Bishop Robert Barron, he picks up on this in relationships. And he says, our relationships are, um, they, they're all are faith-based. Think about it. Um, so, here's an example. I'll use my relationship with, with my wife, Misty, as an example. So, February 15th, 2002, 2.30 p.m., okay? That's the very first time I walked into a room and saw my wife. Before then, she may, for all I knew, she didn't exist. Because that was the first time I ever saw her in my life. That was 14 years ago. <laughs> we were in university, it was a university classroom, um, walked in, and there were about five or six people in the room, and it was a room much like this, with, but like stadium seating, so more like the balcony, um, and uh, I walked in, I don't know, a dove might have flown out behind me, it was probably a slight breeze, like blowing my, my hair, <laughs> I look over and I see her, and nothing, nothing happened. She didn't look up. Um, but uh, that was the first time I talked to her. I went and sat down right next to her. It's like sitting next to someone in an empty movie theater. I went down, sat, I sat down right next to her, and I said, hey, I'm Mike. She was like, <laughs> she was like, I could tell she was thinking, like, why are you sitting next to me? <laughs> um, yeah. For all I know, but for all I know, she didn't exist before that point. 20 years of her life. And so, I had to take a lot of things on faith, okay? Like, for instance, she told me, um, eventually in our relationship, that she had braces when she was in grade 6 or whatever it was. I don't know. Um, and I can see her perfect $10,000 smile, <laughs> or however much it cost. And I can say, yes, she had braces. Um, you know, I could, she told me she graduated from high school. I figured she's in university, so she must have graduated from high school. I had to take it on faith. But I'm also using my reason, right? And so faith, a lot of people think faith and reason are opposed. They're not opposed. Faith actually is the companion of reason, and then faith goes beyond reason, Okay? So it doesn't oppose reason, it uses reason, and, it, and then it takes it a step further. And so think about this. Um, think about Facebook. Don't raise your hands. Please don't raise your hands. But has anyone ever Facebook stalked somebody? I know all of you. <laughs> I know all of you um, could raise your hand on that. Um, 
You can only know so much about somebody from Facebook, right? You can collect data. You can know what some of their likes are. You can know, basically, you know all the good things about the person's life, right? They put their best profile pic up. They put where they've traveled. They put. Um, they don't. They don't show a selfie of them like depressed after a long day of work. You know. They don't show like them eating dinner by themselves. You know. I mean, nobody does that. Um, People show what they want other people to see on Facebook, but you don't actually know the person until you talk to them, right? Same thing with God. Most of us, a lot of us, are still Facebook stalking God. Now the Bible says that we can look at the world. We can look at how the world is. We can look at nature.、Um, You know, a lot of us, a lot of the world looks at, let's say, the problem of evil. They see there's good things, there's bad things.、Um, they, like I said, they look at nature. You look at humans. You look at space. Whatever it is, and you can make an assessment on God. And the Bible says that you can actually know that there is a God. But the Bible also says you can't actually know God unless you talk to Him, unless you have a relationship with Him, because God is a person. God is not a thing. God is not a Facebook profile. He's a person. Just like that Facebook profile isn't actually the person; it's a, it's actually a character, a caricature of the person.、Um, the real person is is、uh, someone that you actually have to talk to. And so, all of our relationships, because God is a person. And we have to, in order to know God, we have to have a relationship with God. All of our relationships depend on this person, on God. If our relationship with God is not right, then our relationships with everybody else aren't right. Okay.、Um, and I don't know if you're a believer in here this morning or not a believer in here this morning, but that's just the truth of the Bible. The Bible says that. Jesus came to make peace between us and God, and between us and each other. So without Jesus, we don't have that peace. We can't actually experience true community and true relationships. Okay, and so that's why we're starting with faith this morning, because if our relationship with God isn't right, then our relationship with others is not going to be right. Okay,、um, in our culture, we've we've mixed those things. And when I say our culture, I'm talking about a lot of times in our church culture, we've mixed those. And so, we're going to start here in John、um, chapter 20, and start in verse 24. And so,、uh, all I read this earlier, and we're just going to walk through this passage this morning, and I want to point out a few things. So, it says now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin. Was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, "We have seen the Lord." But he said to them, "Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe." Okay, Thomas gets a bad rap here. We we kind of、uh, call him we call him doubting Thomas, right? He's he's the disciple who doubted. And all these things, he gets his bad rap. I want to point out a couple things about Thomas here. It's peculiar that that John refers to him as the twin. He says Thomas is one of the twelve, so he's one of the twelve disciples, and he's called the twin. 
Has anyone thought about why John puts that in there? John is the only gospel writer to refer to Thomas as the twin. And he only does it three times in the gospel. So three times in the whole Bible, Thomas is referenced as the twin. Anybody a twin in here? No? Nobody's a twin. Wow, okay. Uh, <laughs> twins are very rare and very special. Those of you guys smirking know that I'm a twin. <laughs> um, actually, I was asking Missy about this the other day, and she said, like, all growing up, she couldn't remember of ever having met another, met twins before. Um, and so, I'm a twin. I have a twin sister. Uh, now, I know all you guys are thinking right now, I wonder what she looks like. <laughs> so, I got a picture for you. Um, this, this is my sister. Um, the one right next to This is, I don't know, five years ago? Because that's Emerson. She's basically one. Uh, so this is four or five years ago. Uh, my parents over there, a lot's happened since we took this picture. <coughs> I'm, I'm good. So, um, yeah, lots happened since we took this picture. Um, I mean, we have two kids now. My sister Diane has two kids. Um, my mom had breast, my mom went through breast cancer. My dad shaved his mustache. <laughs> um, we moved to Toronto, um, all these things. But that's my sister. Do you guys think we look alike? Okay. Don't ask if we're identical. And that's what everyone asks if you're identical, because they think it's based on appearance. Identical twins can only be boy-boy or girl-girl. It's biological. It's not based on what you look like, okay? Unless she has something I don't know about, we are not identical. So um, that's, uh, that's my twin sister. You can take that off now. So twins, there's a lot of pressure that comes with being a twin. So <coughs> I wish there was someone in here to kind of corroborate what I'm about to say, but you'll see it in the scriptures too. So Thomas is called the twin, and it, it struck me because I never, never thought about it before, but it struck me when I read this, and I was like, I wonder why John refers to him as the twin, and he's the only one who does it. Um, like I said, he does it three times. The first time, this is the second time, the first time he does it is in John 11, and John 11 is where Jesus' friend Lazarus dies. And so Mary and Martha, they're, they're sisters of Lazarus. They send a message to Jesus. They say, Lazarus is dying. You've got to come. Jesus, uh, <coughs> Jesus actually waits four days. And then, and then Lazarus dies. And then Jesus goes to raise him from the dead. Okay? Uh, before he goes, he, Jesus tells his disciples, he says, Lazarus has died. And for your sake, I'm glad that I wasn't there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. And so Thomas, called the twin in the next verse, said to the other disciples, let us also go with him, that we may die with him. <laughs> that's, a tw that's twin syndrome right there. Expect the worst. So if you're a twin, you would, you would know this. Um, this, is, this is what a twin grows up with. Uh, you just expect the worst. Because uh, it's, it's different being a twin. 
you see the world a little differently because uh, you've, you've grown up with a different perspective because you have someone who's like you. Um, whether we're, I mean, we're boy-girl twins, but we're just, uh, yeah. I mean, you just have someone who's, who's like you. And so, um, like from birth, there's this competitive spirit in twins um, where whether it's boy-boy, girl-girl, or boy-girl twins, um, you just have this competitive spirit. And this, this kind of almost, I want to call it pessimistic, maybe pessimistic <laughs> mentality of expect the worst is just always, always in there. And we see that in Thomas here. He's like, let's just go die with him. I mean, might as well. I remember so many instances growing up where my dad's like, hey guys, let's, let's go do this. And we're like, yeah, it's going to suck anyways, but okay, well, <laughs> we'll try it out. It's just like this expect the worst mentality. And in my family growing up, um, and in my family now actually, we, we have this, uh, like, this is kind of the motto that I live by, um, prepare for the worst and hope for the best. Um, so we're like always prepared for the worst to happen, but we, we hope that the best is going to happen. Um, when it turns into expect the worst, that's when it becomes like cynical and, and, and pessimistic. And that's where, Thomas, that's where Thomas is. He's got this syndrome as a twin where he's just expecting the worst to happen. Now here's the thing. Most of you guys can relate to that, and you're not a twin. But you think that way. You just expect the worst. You're like this relationship, it, it started out well, but it's not actually going to work out, so I might as well not put the effort into it. You know, yeah, I got this promotion at work, and it was, it's been great, but I'm going to fail eventually, and then they're going to see me for who I really am, so um, might as well not, not even try. Might as well just show them who I am right now. You have this mentality where you're just expecting the worst constantly. And I just call that twin syndrome. This is what, what Thomas is showing us here. And this is, like I said, this is <coughs> this is the second the second um, occurrence of John saying that Thomas is called the twin. And if you notice here, Thomas doesn't um, you know, we kind of take this, this whole passage out of context. If you read the passage right before it, Thomas doesn't ask for something that's peculiar. When he says, unless I see the nail marks and his side, he doesn't ask for something out of the ordinary because just before this passage, Jesus appeared to the disciples. But guess who wasn't there? Thomas. So Jesus appears to, this, to the disciples in their room and... Um, he says, he says, these are the words he says to him. He says, peace be with you, probably because they're freaked out because, one, he's supposed to be dead, and two, the Bible says the doors were locked. So he just, like, came through the walls or something. I don't know. Um, Jesus is in a glorified resurrection body, so who knows what he's able to do in it. But the doors were locked, Jesus appears to them. He says, peace be with you. And then he shows them his hands and his side. 
Then he breathes on them the Holy Spirit. And then when Thomas comes in, the other disciples tell him, hey, guess what? We've seen Jesus, but you weren't there. And so this is the other part of, of twin syndrome. Uh, you always feel gypped. So I was a twin. Well, I'm a twin. My birthday is on December 20th. So I'm like a Christmas baby, and I'm a twin. And so for one year, uh, my parents got us this huge gift, this huge box. I remember we, we ran upstairs, this huge box. Um, we open it, and it's a boom box. And, and I'm like, what is this? I didn't want this. My parents are like, yeah, Diane's been wanting one of these. This is your birthday present and your Christmas present to share. <laughs> and guess whose room it was, it was in for the rest of its life? Diane's. And so this, this, feeling, that, this feeling that you always get gypped. Um, and so as a twin, you always feel that because your parents have to share everything with both of you has to be equal, you know, you're the same age, even though technically I'm a minute older. <laughs> um, and this is Thomas here. The disciples tell him, we've seen the Lord, but he says, unless I see it, then I'm not going to believe it, because you guys got to see it, so I want to see it. And Jesus actually offered it to them. The other disciples didn't say we want to see it. Jesus offers it to them. He says, hey, look, side, hands. Look at, look at the nail marks. And so what Thomas is asking for actually isn't um, peculiar. He does take it one step further and say, well, I will never believe and actually want to put my hands into his side. Um, that's a little weird, but um, he, that's probably another thing with twins. You tend to exaggerate <laughs> a lot. So, uh, to, to grab attention. <laughs> so, Thomas does this. Verse 26 says, eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and now Thomas is with them. Okay, so Thomas is, is with, with all of them. And although the doors were locked, again, the doors were locked, I don't know why the gospel writer says the doors were locked twice, and then says Jesus came and stood among them. I don't know why, what he's trying to communicate there. Um, but he says the doors were locked. And Jesus disappears in front of them. And he says, peace be with you. Again, probably because they're freaked out. They're probably like, Jesus, stop doing that. Stop disappearing uh, out of nowhere. In verse 27, he says this to Thomas. He says, put your finger here and see my hands. And put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve but believe. Those words there are the words where we get faith. So he says, do not not have faith, but have faith. Okay, the word is, uh, is yes, yeah, same where we get uh, faith from. And so he says, Thomas, you, you just need to have faith. And this is how Thomas answers him. He cries out, my Lord and my God. Now, we just talked about uh, kind of the bad side of, of twins and, and what 
what uh, Thomas is probably experiencing through being a twin. Um, but there's actually a really, really good side to being a twin. And this is the third reference. Uh, remember, I said that John calls Thomas twin three times. The third time he does it is in the beginning of chapter 21. And I don't have the scripture up there for you. But at the beginning of chapter 21, uh, John calls Thomas twin again. And you see that the best part of being a twin is that you're just never alone. Ever. Thomas is actually with... It's, it's, I, I love the beginning of chapter 21 because it says these are the guys who are together. <coughs> Simon Peter... This is the guy who just denied Jesus three times. Thomas, who we just have this instance where he's like doubting Thomas. Nathaniel is with him. Nathaniel's the disciple in John 1, who when they said, hey, the Messiah is coming and he's from Nazareth, Nathaniel, skeptical from the beginning, says, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Um, and then the sons of Zebedee, James and John. Those are the disciples that are all gathered together. And the sons of Zebedee, they're actually rebuked multiple times in the scriptures by Jesus for <laughs> some pretty dumb things. <laughs> um, and so you have this like ragtag group together. Uh, so Thomas isn't alone in, in, what, in uh, what his position towards Jesus has been. Uh, and like I said, the best part of being a twin is, is just never being alone. I... I moved around a lot growing up. Um, I went to eight different schools between grade one and 12, um, or K through 12. And so, yeah, eight, eight out of 12 years I was in a different school. Um, the best thing about that was I had my sister. Um, same age, same time, same classes, same, I remember one year, uh, we'd just gone to this one high school for, we were only there for three quarters of one year before we moved again. And um, that whole year, we kind of had this expect the worst mentality. We are just like, why well, make friends? We're just going to move again. And so um, we just ate lunch with each other that whole, that whole year. Like we didn't talk to anybody. We didn't make friends. And then, what do you know? Like, we moved again <laughs> at the end of that year. Um, but we were together, and we were best friends, and we could talk to each other about these things, and we shared the same life stage together. Even now, even though we're countries apart from each other, we're, we're super close. We even, had, we even had kids around the same time. She has two daughters. We have two daughters. Um, that sounds a little weird. Like, we didn't plan that. <laughs> um, but we had... We, our daughters are around the same ages. And so we're even going through the next stage of life together. Um, I mean, we even got married a year apart from each other. Um, yeah, she was my best friend uh, all growing up. And so um, she's, she's probably the biggest, or she is. Um, she's, she's who I miss the most. And we haven't lived in the same city for, I don't know, 15 almost 11, 12 years now. So, um, but yeah. So this is, this is the thing that Thomas feels now. And this is what Jesus wants him to know. That he's never alone. 
And when Thomas cries out, my Lord and my God, we, we're like, yeah, he believes, that's awesome. But actually, Thomas is making a very deep theological statement here. Now, my Lord and my God haven't been paired together at all in the Gospels until this point. But if you go into the Old Testament, my Lord and my God are, are basically always paired together. The Lord God said this. God is called the Lord God all throughout the Old Testament. So when Thomas declares this at the end of the Gospel, his declaration is greater than any of the disciples. He's saying, my Lord and my God... This is Yahweh, the one who's in covenant relationship with Israel. And he's making a tremendous statement here about who Jesus is. How many of you guys, don't raise your hands. <laughs> Just think about this. How many of you guys are married? You're probably like, okay, that's dumb. That's a dumb question. The reality is, all of you guys are married to something. Some of you guys who actually have an earthly marriage with a spouse aren't even married to that spouse. Because if we just want to define marriage... Um, if, let's, let's just say simply, um, it, it's, it's a committed, covenantal relationship, okay? Um, some of you guys are in a committed, covenantal relationship with your job and your career. Some of you guys are sitting next to your spouse this morning, and... You're not in that committed covenantal relationship with your spouse. You're actually in a committed covenantal relationship with somebody else. Some of you are in this committed covenantal relationship with your fear or your depression or your anxiety. Some of you guys are married to a desire of your heart, an idea a desire to have a spouse one day. Some of you guys are married to the idea of having children someday, and you don't have kids yet. Now, that's, that's a pretty simple, low-ball definition of marriage. That's not how the Bible defines marriage. The Bible defines marriage like this. The Bible says that marriage is um, actually God's relationship with his people. Our earthly marriages only make sense in light of that truth. Okay? So true biblical marriage is God's relationship with his people. It's you and me in a committed, covenantal relationship with the God who created everything and who desires to be in a relationship with you. Because your earthly marriage isn't going to last uh, into eternity. 
even if it lasts his whole life, which uh, I hope it does, it's, it's not going to last into eternity. Because your true marriage is, <clears throat> as the church, the bride of Christ with Jesus. Okay? Um, and it's only in that that your marriage here makes any sense. Or your relationships make any sense. And so when Thomas says, my Lord and my God, he's declaring this marital vow to Jesus. And he's saying, yes, I am yours and you are mine. And this is covenantal language that is used all through the Old Testament. God says this, he says, I will be your God. And you, you will be my people. And that's all throughout the Old Testament. And so when Thomas says it, he's got all this history of covenantal committed relationship backing up this one statement. And so when he declares it, he declares all of those things. And Jesus says to him, have you believed because you have seen me? I actually don't think Jesus was being critical at, at when he says that. I think he's just making a statement. Have you believed because you've seen me? Like all the disciples have done this, not just Thomas. All the disciples didn't believe until they saw Jesus. Okay? But Jesus knows that from that point on, the rest of humanity, us, all of us, are going to have to believe without seeing, with our eyes. We're going to have to take our reason and go beyond it with faith. And that's when he says, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And so this morning, what do you need to declare my Lord and my God over? What do you need to say to God, to Jesus my Lord and my God over my own marriage. My Lord and my God over my depression. My Lord and my God over my career. My Lord and my God over my children or my desire to have children. My Lord and my God over my desire to have a spouse. my Lord and my God, over my sin. And he says when we do that, he will bless us. And he wants us to be blessed. And God this morning wants to bless your relationships. But they need to be founded on faith. On this faith that he is my Lord and my God. And so seek God's blessing this morning and declare that this morning <coughs> as you consider what God wants you to declare it over. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you.